Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome to the For Love of Land podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. Each week, we're interviewing guests from across America. They all have one thing in common. They all are tied to the land. So if you're like us and you love all things land, welcome home. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another For, land, For Love of the Land podcast. This is Adam Keith here. And Matt Dye. And we've got a special podcast lined out for you um, that is all about real estate and preparing for a purchase. Um, we've selected a couple of properties and we're going to go over kind of the overall landscape and then the questions you should be asking about those properties before you make the purchase. Find this information out before you sign off uh, and start the payment process of taking this over and then learn the bad news about this area. Well, uh, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole purpose of the podcast is to say, hey, listen, before you even make that first initial phone call to an agent, if you're looking for property, you're just doing some general investigating of the, the region itself, and you've found a place within the region you want to look at, these are the questions that you need to be prepared to ask and know ahead of time so you can make that decision. Do I do I then you know, take the time to travel to this property? Do I come you know, visit it, or do I just mark it off the list and move on and continue to try and find another one? based on these set of questions. But oftentimes, um, and, and we've seen it uh, from a lot of different people, is you get um, invested or you begin to make emotional decisions when buying a piece of property. It looks really good. Um, and, and certain things become um, overlooked in the buying process. And you don't want to go through that because oftentimes we're, we're, we're dealing with a lot of money and big investments and time um, that if you... You can't recoup time, obviously, and it's tough sometimes to recoup the money if you're making poor decisions. So these are questions. These are two properties um, with agents that we know basically out of our office who've got listings. Um, so we don't mind, you know, with their permission, picking at them and talking about them. Um, but it's important to go through this because again, we, we want to make sure the education is there that we're not making mistakes. And That's so... Right. Here are the list of questions that we're going to be wanting, honestly, buyers to ask us as real estate agents. We want people to be investigating this because as agents, we should be prepared to answer these questions. So, Adam, you've got your your uh, listing pulled up here. Yep. And uh, give us a little background detail on it, and we'll just kind of jump into this thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll, I'll kind of explain, too, before I start explaining about this uh, property is, you know, we are in an interesting situation. We, we represent a lot of buyers. We represent a lot of sellers. Uh, At the same time, we are land consultants and that's really what led us into real estate. So we're on land all the time from a, a wide aspect of we're looking to help a guy buy it. We're looking to help a guy sell it. But a lot of times, day in, day out, is we're helping a guy improve it. And sometimes that's to improve it for future selling. So it's prioritizing purchases to and practices to maximize profits later on. Mm-hmm. And um, so because of that, there's a lot of questions and a lot of 
I, I almost don't want to use this term, but I'm going to use it because it's a, a good it's shortcut. Cutting corners on how to maximize the landscape without breaking the bank uh, on the initial uh, on these projects used. So with all those questions, it's best to understand the landscape because there's some types of habitats or some types of features that make it difficult to reach those maximum uh, maximum productiveness or profitability um, and, because and of the, the way the land is, is made up. Yeah, and, and not all of it. That can be within the bounds of the property you're looking at, but also, especially with this piece that you selected, outside the boundaries as well that plays a huge important part of it so knowing the agent and knowing um or, or trying to know if they know the area intensively really well knowing neighbors um how that area just runs that's important because right. the, the neighborhood has a big impact on um the success that you might find on a property for sure so the piece of property i have uh highlighted here is listed by our good friend christine shooty uh, it's 131 acres in Douglas County, Missouri. Oddly enough, that's the same county the family farm is at for me and the Prairie Hollow property that Matt and I manage uh, next door to the family farm. 131 acres. Sticker price is $195,000. So that the price per acre puts it just under 1500 an acre. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of a, it's a really interesting piece of property. It's near, uh, it's a Norwood address, but it's a champion uh, it's near the little bitty intersection, I, I guess I should say. No, you shouldn't even say town. <laughs> uh, intersection called Champion, Missouri, um, and it comes with a camper. That's I right. Just saw, I just saw that in the listing, and I'll make a funny one on that in a little while. Um, it's an interesting property because it has a mix of open ground as well as timber. As well as inside that timber, the thing we like about this area is it's got a mix of short-leaf pine Mm -hmm. within the oak hardwoods. Um, and so it's a really cool property. It's got road frontage on the west side, part of the south side, and the east side, um, which uh, could be a negative or it could be a positive, depending on how you look at it. I would say it's a negative if the road runs, and it all depends on the on the property, but if the road runs right next to your open areas, then that would probably put me more on the negative side than positive side. Fortunately, this one has timber or uh, a little bit of a buffer from the the main openings all the way around the property so you could plant food plots and not have to worry about road hunters seeing your food plots at, right before dark um, and taking one of taking one of the deer you've been watching so that's a huge benefit at the same time fire for fire breaks this part of the world was shaped by prescribed fire and so prescribed fire would be a huge part of what we not prescribed for. It wasn't sharp, shaped by prescribed fire. No. It was shaped by wildfires. Um, but we would be using prescribed fire to manage that habitat and make it more beneficial. Um, so having that road frontage is a huge part. Um, road frontage is a, is a very underutilized, underrated um, piece uh, in recreational property. Uh, it's got to be the right road frontage, but this one, seems to have the right one 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 of our favorite properties that we've truthfully ever been on has four sides and has four roads that go around it mm -hmm. and a lot of times you know you'll you'll read a listing or something that says oh it's super remote it's way back dead end you know that can be good in some certain instances but access to a property is also very valuable too um so 
Yeah, there's definitely ways to look at it. Each neighborhood is different. But um, what are some of the list of questions, Adam, that you're that you're going to be asking Christine when you see it? Let's let's say you're from um, Southwest Georgia, and you're like, all right, before I make the trip up to Missouri, here's what what else I want to know about the property because I like it. I like the price. Looks good, but what else should I know about it? And that's a huge part because if I live, if I'm living 10, 10 miles away, I can figure a lot of this out on my own or probably already know a lot of this on my own. This is for the guy that has no clue what's going on, but he likes the sticker price mm-hmm. and he likes the pictures online. And or, uh, or he just wants to get out and hunt Missouri. He wants yeah. to change a pace. Yeah, land of giants of Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Well, southern Missouri and northern Missouri are a bit different, um, but they can be. You can't have it. Uh, you can't have big deer in the in the south part of the state too. For sure. Uh, so this part of the world, I, I'm looking at it. Okay, I'm I'm going. Okay, um, probably over sixty percent of the property is timber. Automatically, I'm gonna ask: Is there timber value? And by timber value, I mean, is there a majority of oaks? Because that's where we know most of the most of the values coming from in this in, with this type of timber. And the reason I know that is because this aerial image was taken in the winter. Leaves are off, and these are big timber blocks. And so I know th- this is probably some sort of, you know, whatever makes up this this uh, this landscape. And you don't have to go too far into Google to find out Oak Hickory Forest is part of Southern Missouri. So uh, that's what my assumptions tell me. But I'm going to find that out from the listing agent. What is the species of trees that make up a majority of this property? probably going to tell me it's oak pine hickory uh and some other stuff but elm walnut i want to know if there's timber value right and and with that being said we get that question asked a lot and timber value is definitely a regional thing as markets vary across the country um and what gets used for what at different sawmills so that local knowledge can be good but also know that most real estate agents don't have um, a forestry or a timber logging background as well so we see a lot of times listings say marketable timber we go to a listing there's no marketable timber so take it take it with a grain of salt or there is a marketable there is marketable logs but there's not a sawmill around to take those logs and by the time you haul them all the way there it's not worth it profit or there is marketable logs, look good-looking logs, but it's only 20 acres. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, it's going to take a special logger to come in here to harvest these. Correct. This one, I mean, we're looking at probably just under 100 acres that's that's timber. And so knowing this area, unfortunately for me, I know there is a sawmill in this area. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not too bad. Hopefully the agent already knows that. Correct. And come on, Christine, don't let me down when I call you <laughs> to ask you this. And... Um, so that goes in with the timber market. There may be timber value, but is there a timber market? And, uh, and f- this part of the world, we know that, um, there's a huge push for oak logs right now. So, um, it could be really beneficial. If the size is there, you might be able to see through some pictures, um, and inquire. There might be some value standing there on that timber when you buy it. So, so that factors into things. Let's zip through some of these pictures. Yeah. And, and two guys and girls, all these um, listings that we're talking about right now go to the show notes, and they'll be there in the uh, in the show notes at realtreeuc.com. So be sure to check those out. Yep. 
not a lot not a lot of pictures of the timber so now i'm still questioning um it's got thick cover in some places great for whitetails there are trails everywhere this would be a beautiful place to build your dream home the pines Groves are so pretty, great views, county roads on two sides, a camper and well are in the middle of the property. So we know we got a camper and a well. And a well. Well adds value, big time. Um, so complete privacy. Big bucks have been taken off this property, and it can be yours just in time for turkey season or get your food plot started uh, for the fall. The camper is a 92 Dutchman fifth wheel with slide out and carport. Boy, the biggest thing about that is I hope that couch stays because it's a beautiful <laughs> – beautiful floral uh, design floral design <laughs> on a maroon maroon backdrop so that's right um nothing about timber value and no pictures tell me there's timber value um so i'm gonna have to ask the agent and find out generally speaking do i d- dare i if there is timber value most listings and most people will say it up front for um, sure because it's a selling point so it's it usually out there if it's not um, including the listing, most times you can see or, or find it's not, um, it's probably not on site. Yes. So I'm going to find, I'm going to find that out. Um, timber species. Once again, I want to find that out with these open areas. I want to know what is the species that are in these open areas? Is this an old pasture that's just been allowed to grow up? Or is this a spot that just got dozed out and and natural regeneration happened with bush hogging? And, and oftentimes, and I know you've done it, I've done it in the past, and there is extreme value to this. Um, but as we're walking around and creating a listing for a seller that we've got, is we're not just taking basically macro view pictures uh, or scenery pictures. We're taking individual pictures of the species because we know, and hopefully we're going to educate you through this podcast, that the individual species that are there, whether it's trees, whether it's grasses, whether it's forbs, whether it's brambles, whether it's shrubs, whether it's wetland plants, all those help dictate the value of this property and what the property is capable of. So we need to portray that and have that in the listing. Um, So, right, if they're not, you know, great detailed pictures of what the species are, we need to be asking that um, because, again, it does it does play an important role. Looking at some of the pictures and and uh, the time of the year, knowing that it's not the oaks don't have leaves mm-hmm. on them. I know it's probably March, and there's a lot of green in that pasture, so it probably tells me green, green, green. Fescue. There's fescue or orchard grass or some other um, cool season, um, most likely non-native. So if I'm going at it from a recreational standpoint, I'm going, ah, I'm going to have to remove that. If I uh, want to improve it, I, I want to remove it. So that's another big question I'm asking. Then as I read through that listing and, I, and I'm keeping in mind, hey, I want to know what kind of deer are on this property. I want to know there's already some trail camera pictures. But in her description, she talked about big bucks that had already been taken off the property. Harvested, right. Show me. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't show proof, I'm not going to buy it. Yep. Uh, as in buy it, as in I'm not talking about buy the property. I'm not buying what she's saying. I want to sure. see the I want to see the proof. Not calling you a liar, Christine, but it it is you know if if you say it, let's let's see those pictures. And sometimes it can be tough to get them from a seller, but it's important to document. That. If if they're gonna talk about it, then I want to see the pictures mm-hmm. because if. Uh, Sometimes, a lot of times, people won't put the actual harvest pictures on the listing. Sometimes they will. Um, they'll some, blur out the face. Yeah, or sometimes they'll say, um, 
text or call me or contact me for Harvest Pictures. Sometimes yep. they don't just blast them out there, but that doesn't mean Christine doesn't have them because they're not here. So reach out to the agent. But there should be proof, right, that, okay, that this this track has a proven uh, track record. Wow, that was a pun. And a lot of times, if an agent has these properties listed and it's late summer, mid-summer, early deer season, even through deer season, um, an agent will put out trail cameras mm-hmm. or the or the seller will put out trail cameras to try and build inventory. So ask. Ask if there's been any most recent. I got asked from a buyer just the other day. He said, if I'm buying a property, do you think they'd let me put out trail camera pictures to to uh, document to document and find out what's there? I'm like, if, if they're wanting to sell it, they will. Sure. Um, and so I'm they're asking about, about that. It. Next question I'm going to ask is the neighborhood. What is the neighborhood made up of? Um, you can do this sometimes if you have Onyx uh, or... I, I was going to suggest uh, Onyx or, or a GIS. Yeah. Um, go to the county um, website, see if you can do te- pull up tax maps. Figure out these parcel sizes around the parcel you're interested in. Are they big tracks? Are they small tracks? Sometimes you may look and see it parceled up and you're like, ooh, that looks like it's zoned as a subdivision. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want that. I don't want that. Check if, the zoning on if them. They're, if they're 20 acre chunks and they're just lined up next to a county road, I know, uh-oh, they're mm-hmm. going to try and build a bunch of houses in I'm going to so, have five neighbors versus one neighbor on that one side down the road. And I, and let's just, let's just uh, dig down and stir this pot and uh, say if there's – if there's one landowner, there's two dogs. If there's five <laughs> landowners, there's 15 dogs yeah. Yeah. Or, or 10 dogs. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, your math got fuzzy there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. You it know, multiplies. It be, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, well, we'll say this. It's it's 10 the first year. It's 15. <laughs> as they have pups. Oh. And so that's something to keep in mind. More neighbors might mean more animals. Um, sure. And it's, so It's definitely possible. And that's why looking at the big tracks and saying, okay, you know, do I have landowners? Let's say this is a good a good neighborhood. I, I've I've talked with the agent. They're like, no, this this really is a good neighborhood. A lot of people are doing QDM practices, and there's big chunks around you. Well, then you know, wow, if I've got let's say 80% of my neighbors who are doing good QDM practices, that's awesome. Whereas you've got let's say 20 neighbors and half of them are doing it, well, your impact or the impact on the neighborhood is going to be um, much less from getting deer to the age class that so you're most likely looking to harvest off this property. So Did you, parcel size is important. Parcel size as well as um, hunting pressure. Try to talk mm-hmm. to, ask the landowner or ask the agent to talk to the landowner about what the neighbors do. Are the neighbors just gun hunters? Are they bow hunters? Um, how, what kind of hunting pressure is there around the property? Do you see, do they hear a lot of four wheelers driving the, driving the property boundaries during gun season? Um, what, what is it, what's going on? And then at the same time, take that question and ask what the neighborhood land use is. Is it cattle farms? Is it horse farms? Is it goat farms? Is it crop ground? Mm -hmm. Or is it just abandoned ground that nobody is ever on? Um, and, and the reason I ask that is because then the follow-up question is, what are the condition of the fences if there is livestock? Mm-hmm. Because on, on neighboring properties. if it's bad and you come in and you buy a piece of property that's been abandoned, so that's another question, is you're asking, 
how long has it been since somebody had food plots or are there current food plots here? Man, because past management. If you have food pl- if there haven't been food plots, you come in and you plant food plots and the and the fences are poor and livestock have been in there in the past, they will find it, they will eat it, you will be mad. <laughs> yeah. They have noses, they smell. I yeah, wish bef- I before- I wish I knew how many people we've talked to have had that experience. Oh yeah. Tons. And one property Tons. we showed uh this past fall, um the the buyer um, already was aware of the area, and he said, I know there's a herd of wild horses up here that just wander and roam. Um, and sure enough, there were. Yep. And oddly enough, a couple months went by, and we ended up walking the property where those horses were supposed to be. S- supposed to be contained. And we never yeah. saw them. Yeah. So. Um, before we move on from neighborhood, good, bad, and different, a lot of times I think there's um, people undervalue conservation agents or game wardens in your respective area there's no better person to call that's going to have a pulse on the general area than those individuals there and they're going to give you an honest most likely an honest uh, evaluation um, of that given area because again they know what happens legally and most likely illegally so be sure to reach out to them they're a great resource um, develop a relationship with them prior to even uh, walking the property. Understand, again, the greater neighborhood, what it has to offer, and how it can benefit you or not benefit you. Uh, that's that's definitely important. For sure. For sure. Um, it, it's it's like if you're hunting public land and you call um, you know, that public land's manager or, or a local biologist to figure out what's happened there, how, how much rain did you get, um, is there been any prescribed fire or timber harvest? It's no different. It's just using like, utilizing game warden to figure out the the attitude or atmosphere of the neighborhood. For sure. For sure. So next question is, I'm going to ask that agent if they have any soil maps. And this is well, kind of regional based. Because if you talk to an agent in southern Iowa, northern Missouri, crop ground, they're going to have soil maps most likely on file, ready to rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is somebody down in our area... Well, Not as popular. We know we know the soil's bad. <laughs> it's rocky. Um, well, and yeah, so they may the have ground, to do some digging. Like on uh, Christine's listing here, she's using a mapping software that we're aware of. So we know it wouldn't take her anything to pull the soil maps and send them to you. Sure. I want to know what the soil is um, because it could be something so gravelly uh, or be almost glade-like that I'm going, ugh, food plot would be difficult. Um, I'm not going to get the food plot results that I want, or I'm not going to be able to get the grass growth that I want. So I want to know what the soil site, uh, the soil maps say. Because right then from there, you can know, Hey, also if I have a soil map, I can do research or utilize web soil survey to figure out, um, the ecological site on that property and know, okay, I've got a good idea that with the management techniques that I use, there might be some programs out there that I can utilize on this property too. So that's another one is call the local agent, uh, NRCS or state biologist to see what kind of programs you might be able to enroll in if you're interested in Get doing that. Get ahead of yourself here on the That's list. all right. So then the next question would be, what's the water? What what kind of water? We know you've got, we know Christine's got two to three ponds highlighted. Uh, but then there's also a map that shows that there's some uh, blue lines. So some sort of creek or drainage runs through this property in two places. We want to ask, okay, are those ponds always filled up? Are they low? What condition are the ponds in? Um, 
and on one of the on some of her pictures it shows the ponds it's got trees growing on it but looks like it's filled up pretty good uh we kind of want to know basically what how deep it is i know that pond right there that i'm gonna get shallow gonna get very shallow and dry um it looks it already looks dry and it's marked so and it doesn't have a deep dam on it so we know that one's a not really much of a pond um, and that's probably the one that she was just a little bitty blue dot on the on the map. So, but we want to know what do those creeks, those little blue lines on there, um, what do they look like uh, throughout the year? Are they going to hold water? Are they just seasonal? Are there going to be seeps and little pockets during the summer? What's that look like? Um, so that's what I'm going to ask about about the water. But there's a couple pictures on here shows a nice pond. Yeah, documented um, well. And so road access. We know that we have road access on two sides and kind of three, basically, because it's kind of triangle shape. But what other roads, road access? It says trails. Are those trails for four-wheelers? Are those trails for tractor driver? Is trails for a truck? Or, what does it look like? Or a horse or a walking path. <laughs> yes. And so let's find out what the road access looks like and what we can drive on it. Next question is easements and restrictions. Are there any easements conservation easements saying i can't plant this i can't do that i can't build a on a i can't i don't have a uh, building site um we've seen some pretty uh, strict conservation easements and uh you it has it takes a very special buyer to to uh be interested in that property so we want to find out what kind of easements there are uh it could be a, a crp program or a wetland reserve program some of these contracts could be 99 years and so we want to know what if there's any what, what are the terms on them what yeah. how, does it handcuff you does it improve it does it match your management styles um you know of course this is before title work happens but there should be a pretty good idea of you know just access easements too from from neighbors you know is anyone cutting across the land how would that impact um, that agent should be able to tell you or give you a pretty good heads up uh, if, if anything has come up um, in the background work um, or, or from that previous uh, seller. What is on the property, how it's enrolled, if there are those restrictions, easements um, that would be conveyed over to that new owner. So most of these things carry with the land. So that's super, super important. A lot of things that don't come out ahead of these, like during this time frame, they get found during um the title work and that's where honestly some some uh contracts fall through that's and right it's just they don't end up getting sold so the next question i'm going to ask reason for selling i'm going to see you know what's if, if they're willing to tell me why he's selling is there something going on that i'm not aware of um and what they're going to tell me uh, that's just another one that I want to ask. It's like if you're buying a used truck, you're going to ask why they're selling. Is the engine about ready to blow? Or, 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 or yeah, what'd you use it for in the past? Yes. And so why reason for selling? Next, I'm going to research or I'm going to ask if they know anything about the historical landscape. What what was this area? Like, let's be honest here. I don't expect to get much of an answer out of most people I'm calling because nobody's as big of a nerd as I am when it comes to <laughs> historical landscape usually. Um, and, but I want to, I want to still find out what was this area, you know, what, what kind of was going on here, uh, historically. That has a huge significance on the How, types of management that you'll be doing, utilizing on a property, what species could be there and what you're seeing, um, 
on the property? How far away removed are you from that historical land site? Next one is kind of tied in with that call in the game warden. Call the local NRCS office. Find out who where it's at in uh, in this county. And if there is one in this county, it should be one in that county. And talk to them about kind of what practices, what's the common landscape, and, uh, and just see what kind of information they'll give me. Um, also, kill history with Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett entries. Um, that's something that is kind of back in for me to do before I call. But I'm curious on what this looks like. Um, is there a lot of entries for this county or are there very few? And then just talk to the agent about kind of just what they know about it. Is there a lot of good deer getting killed out of this area? Is this kind of a sleeper county? What's going on? Take it with a grain of salt, but hopefully there'll be a... Well, and, and here's something that else that you can definitely do when you're looking back into whether it's the Pope and Young or just the state harvest records for an area. And I think that this is often uh, overlooked um, and doesn't give you an accurate portrayal of the harvest data. But oftentimes states, you know, we just had uh, the bag limits. I mean, excuse me, the, the total number of harvests for turkeys and it gave like the top three counties in the state the harvest. I believe it was like Franklin County, Texas County, and some other one um and oftentimes you're like oh i want to look i want to be in one of the top producing counties um annually for turkey or deer whatever the game you're you're chasing but what is definitely factored into that is just the size of the property so i mean excuse me the size of the county um and so when you're looking at it make sure you you look and see on average per square mile what the deer harvest is that's going to give you a better indication of, you know, the total population, your opportunity within a given area, rather than just the number, um, because size of a county has a huge impact on that. Um, so definitely look again at the, the per square mile of, of ratio there for harvests. Next, ask the agent about CWD in the area. If I'm buying a recreational property, CWD is one of the big things that could be a uh, a big issue with your uh, recreational property. No doubt. I guess don't ask their opinion on it, but just ask if it's been found and what the regulations may be um, for that county. And, and checking in and, har you know, when you do harvest deer, is there a, um, a physical check-in that you have to do? You know, all those sorts of things. CWD is one of those things that I'm very almost leery of right now because we don't know enough about it. But we do know it can cause some very big issues for you if you are in one of these core CWD areas. So if I'm buying right now, truthfully, I'm probably avoiding some of the hot spots in CWD, um, CWD areas. I mean, the future is unknown <clears throat> and, and you're making an investment. So. so keeping that in mind, if I'm recreational buying... I'm going to ask the question if baiting and mineral is legalized because it's so scattered across the country on whether you can use it or not. I want to know if that if uh, I'm going to ask that agent to tell me. Some of these questions can be asked just by doing some research, but at the same time, an agent should have a pretty good idea. Absolutely, and, and I think that's a really good encompassing you know list of questions as to say regardless of where you're at, these are these are the questions that you should be asking. For, for any property, whether you're in Wisconsin or Kansas or New York, it doesn't matter. These, when you're purchasing the property, these are the things that you're going to want to know. And some of them are like, well, duh, guys, I, I get it. Like that was kind of simple, but other ones, 
hopefully it's going to give you the background that you need to know. This is this is for me. Or this is not for me. We don't want to waste anybody's time. And one of the things, just from a land agent standpoint, is it takes time to show people properties. And if you can scratch it off the list before you ever get there, that saves everyone that much trouble and time. So these are the tools to help you to be able to do that. That's right. My last question I would ask is what what the taxes are on this property. I thought you were going to say how much are they willing to come down. Yeah. What's the, <laughs> what's their bottom watch dollar? Lower, watch the bottom dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm going to ask what they're paying, what the general taxes cost on this property. So Certainly. I can add that into it. Yeah, no doubt. No so doubt. that pretty well wraps up this 131 acres in Douglas County, good old Booker County. Um, and, you know, I, this is property. I'm honestly looking at it, and I'm thinking about a potential buyer going, you know, this might be one that might be worthwhile. Um, kind of a neat little area and, uh, kind of a, with the diversity of the landscape, it's, it might be worth taking them down there to look at it. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's a cool little piece. I mean, 131 acres, which is a decent enough chunk for 1450 or so an acre, just under 1500. Um, not a horrible price. And that's what we have pretty much in our, in our area. That's a, a typical wooded track price um with a little bit of mixed openings recreational track that's about what you get that's right matt what do you got for us well we went through basically our list of questions but i I do have another property just to uh just to review with you guys um and there are a couple things on it that that are kind of unique so might add a few questions in there but um what we're looking at here is a property from cody weeks who's actually um, our offices broke our office broker um, and he just listed 2500 acres um, in Ozark County which is the southern border of uh, Missouri and uh, north portion of Arkansas there but it's 2500 acres um, comes in right about 1700 an acre 300 acres of open pasture um, partial fencing at this land is all contiguous um, and there's eight ponds, springs, and a lot of opportunity when it comes to management of the land. Immediately when you see this property and click on the link, you're kind of taken back from all the images and, and kind of uh, what you're seeing there. When you click the aerial on the southern portion of the property, um, what kind of captures your mind and and, and takes your eyeballs to it is uh here we go um the base of what we recognize and other people be like what in the world is going on there but those are glades oh the spiraling kind of weird looking i don't know even how to describe that it to me it always just looks like like somebody's trying to hypnotize me when you look at it because it looks almost like spiral or splashes or zigzags yes um Basically, those are, in our area, again, glades and a lot of cedar encroachment stuff on them. Um, but it, it's it's obviously, as you hear us talk often um, about that feature, that, that uh, portion of the country that we're in, has got glades, and they're extremely diverse. So immediately, I'm like, awesome, this property's got them. 
and I can most likely enroll in some programs. I can do some things to improve the habitat there. I will have a, an incredible amount of diversity um, within the vegetation. I'll have wildflowers. I'll have native grasses, um, lots of cover, lots of forage opportunities. So I immediately see that. I'm like, cool. That is awesome. Topography is another big um portion of this property there's some deep deep ravines of course those glades a lot of uh topography on those um but in addition there's 300 acres of open pasture and hayfield on this property and that's big because it's not just one location it's spread throughout the entire property which then gives you the opportunity to say, hmm, I'm either going to do some old field management, I'm going to do some big food plots. You have the potential with open ground already there to make a big impact um, on the wildlife. And when we were talking about comparing this back to the 131 acres, Adam, that you had, this property is 2,500 acres. Like it is a large, large piece and now has the potential that okay, even if there's small parcels around me, I'm holding deer. These, some of the deer, they're Absolutely. four and a half. What'd they're you say the price per acre was on this? About 1,700. Um, so basically somewhat, like, these deer, they're not going to necessarily leave the, the boundary of the property. This is big enough to hold them. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to have, hopefully managed appropriately, range, you know, uh, home ranges on the property that, again, they're not ever leaving the boundary. So, not that I wouldn't want to look into it and ask and do that research through tax maps and, and possibly, you know, like an Onyx software to understand the, the greater area, but it's important to, uh, to see the value of the size of the property too. Um, and then in addition to that, and you talked about it, you kind of said, Adam, you know, it's a triangular shape, but the shape of some properties, you look at them, you're like, how did that ever happen? How did that ever come to be that I've got that weird dog leg or that weird jag in this? Or how do I, how would I even access that portion of the property? Um, there is one little sliver on this. It's like, I wonder how that got all cut up and over time. But regardless, this is a pretty big, the massive portion of this property is a big old block. I mean, it's a rectangular shape. Like it does not have um, these weird outliers. It is pretty, pretty square. So, Again, you have that's important when you're from a management standpoint. Um, I've I've got the ability to hold deer and, and get them to age. Um, the other one, as I'm looking at this aerial, the other big question is, what are the road systems like? Because if you've got this much land, you've got to be able to navigate around this property. And with a property of this size, though, too, how many points of entry do I have to the farm? That's another big one because you how many wanna, are for that one? I believe I know of two. In talking with Cody, northwest, northwest and northeast. Gotcha. The whole southern boundary is is tough, and I do know this from just the general knowledge of the area down to the south of the um, property. Massive landowners. Gotcha. Massive land tracks. Um, so the southern portion, unless the interior road system. Um, isn't that great? Maybe a little tough to access. However, you do have two points of entry, and I know in and around um, the lay of the uh, the open fields, there is a good road system there. So, a lot to take in with this property. Um, and this one, I don't know. 
probably 20 miles or so maybe from the other property, 20, 25 miles from the one that you talked about. Yeah. Um, but just a, a lot of cool features, of course, in this southern Missouri um, ground. But, again, we, we, we covered a lot of those questions, Adam, that, that we had wrote down pre-podcast with, with uh, your listening. But anything else that you can think of when you're really comparing a massive track to 131 acres there, what are the questions that you need to be asking? The only other thing I would say is, or, or looking at this, if you're buying a big tract, oftentimes you want to know, hey, can I, can I split it up? And does that property allow for that easily? That's why the points of entry um, is super important. It may not have it now, but can you establish that later if you were to split up the farm and sell it differently? So all things that I would certainly be wondering or questioning up front. For sure, for sure. Hopefully this helps somebody uh, in their search. Once again, um, depending on where you're looking or um, if you are beginning the process, give us a shoot us an email at info at landandlegacy.tv and uh, we will be glad to help you in your search and answer some questions and help you any way we can to find a property or um, if you're thinking about selling and then looking, go ahead and uh, Shoot us an email. We can help you find the right person to yeah, uh, get that property moved. So. Doesn't doesn't have to be just Southern Missouri. It can be all across Missouri, um, in in other states too. We can help uh, work with you and set some things up with some other contacts that we have. So we'd be happy to to work with you guys. Hopefully, again, like I said, this was informational and will help you purchase your next track. That's right. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. See ya.